DryerBuzz.com and follow at DryerBuzz on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all about the buzz. Good morning. Hey, guys. What's going on? Let's do this. We're going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt how to get out of bed for a weekend. Buzz it or bash it. Yeah, that's me. I need to put my face on since I don't have my face on. Look at that face. (laughs) I can laugh. Whoa. Okay, like I said, we're going to interrupt how to get out of bed because we're recording this one on a Saturday. That means it's the full-on weekend for you, not for me. I got to finish this and I got to go get busy. I've got a long day. It's a double day. You know me, my my Thursdays, my Fridays. What's today? It is. Yeah, my Thursdays, my Friday, my Saturdays. And my Sundays are double days, so I can spend the rest of the week with you or whatever's left of it. So I have, I have a, a lot to talk about, and I feel like it's going to be more of a buzzard or a bash, kind of a weekend roundup because there's so much to happen. And I figure that's what we do on a Saturday. But if you're over there trying to get out of bed, because I know it's that time, and you're still trying to figure it out, and I'm surprised. Let me tell y'all, I'm surprised I'm even here. Um, but we had some really good conversations of the week on how to get out of bed. And there were just a lot of questions. And I'm in the season of questioning everything because, you know me, I subscribe to numbers and somewhat of a numerology. numerology. And that means that my year uh, is technically coming to an end because my birthday month is October. So I'm in that, I have that sense of urgency of wrapping things up. Plus it's the ninth month of the year. And I might have to hit my little cough button here. Hold on. Plus, it's the ninth month of the year. So if you are feeling that sense of urgency, like all these months, all these quarters have gone by and you are not yet there. Listen, don't, 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 don't internalize the wrong thing. Yeah, you probably need to get busy, light a fire under your behind and and do some things. But, you know, really look at where you are. And the good thing, this is the one good thing I think about Facebook is these memories come up and you get to look back like, my September 27, which was the day before this, um, memories came up and I was like, wow, you know, man, I used to be on that grind, but I had to be. I had to be. I was facing all kinds of things over the over the last couple of years. Y'all, my, I'm sorry. He's, this is like the first time I'm speaking. You know how I have that frog in my throat. And, uh, and I forget, you know, even though we're on social media and we're having all these different conversations, you don't realize you really haven't used your voice. And so... My podcasting is the my first thoughts of the day, uh, the frog in my throat, one eye open, and we normally do how to get out of bed. But I was like, you know, I've been missing my buzzer or bash, and there's, like I said, so much going on. So, yeah, we are at towards the end of the year. Not only towards the end of the year, it's such a pivotal year because it's 2019, and we're getting ready for those of y'all in the future. It's the end of 2019, and we're getting ready to roll into that epic time that everybody thought that the world would be all humane and we'd reach certain pivotal points that we are not and some are forcing us and it's called 2020 and I know for me um we set a goal 20 years ago hey listen this is what we want to impart as far as wisdom okay uh for this coming world and um, how many of you remember the whole 1999 and the Y2K thing? You know, we have to talk about that because that was like a pivotal time. And now here we are 20 years later. So there are people who in this time, who were born during this time, who came, who came into their adulthood in this time, who came into themselves, 
uh, a generation, you know, is is so many generations are making a switch. I mean, and this we're at a time now where everybody has a voice. So life is different. It's not just dependent upon um, a few select people who get to decide who we are, who Americans are, who are other global societies. We're all out here intertwining. And for those of us like myself that have been at this point some 20, 30 years, um, trying to get everybody to the point of understanding that, hey, listen, you can control a narrative. You can disrupt a broadcast. You can, like I just did, interrupt. You can disrupt. You can interrupt. And also you can propel our nation and our global societies. Nations, and I don't mean like just by the boundaries of, of the map. But nation, hopefully that if you hopefully when you look back, if you're not at a point of looking back, hopefully as you plan forward or hopefully right now, because anything that I do, I'm talking about like right now, because you try to take me too far in the future. I'm going to get welled up with anxiety. You try to make me talk about stuff that's, you know, back in the day or that's to me, that's depression. Somebody sent that meme down Facebook and it literally freed me where it said depression was living too much in the past. Anxiety is living too much in the future. Stop, stop right now. What's right now? And uh, I've got a whole lot of stuff I need to worry about in the future. But right now it's about to be a good day. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some things. And I try to uh, live. I live public. I am. I bring truth, honesty and transparency. Uh, Usually my podcasts are some journaling moments because we have how to get out of bed but then it's the weekend. We need to wrap up some of the things that had us blogging. Uh, I'm semi-retired blogger, kind of retired into the kitchen. And, and I'm experiencing a great sense of FOMO because there are, you know, like it's, it's about to be gala season. And I'm having to say no to some things because I need to. And because one, um, this was a domesticated season for me and you cannot rush it. I have found that the season that you are in. You can't rush it. You cannot. And and as much as I tried in 2019 to step back into some things, it's like, no, it's all about home. It's all about. And that's just what you have to take care of. Because and luckily for me, I always operated with a full on plan for something, even if that isn't what took place. I always had some kind of plan. So I, I had technically all of my life planned that, OK, I'm going to have this five years. You know, when the kids are grown, it's going to be these five years. And I thought it was going to be travel and all this kind of stuff, but that's not that that hasn't been my season. But the blessing part of that, and the uh, uh, blessing part of that is this is 2019. This is the fifth year. Uh, so I do get to go into 2020. If I do want to look ahead, there is a lot of hope there. You know, the fear and the anxiety of it is while we are ushering into 2020, y'all. If you're like me, you're trying to hold, trying to keep a grip and hold on to some things. And too often we hold on to it too tight. Uh, certain things that we should release our grip on and let certain things happen. And you'd be surprised. And, and we always feel like letting it go is a failure of some sort. But oftentimes it's forced out of your hands so you can be ready to receive. And that's what, that's the mindset. Y'all, I got to wake up like that. I got to tell myself that right now because I'm, I've had to, I've had to release and relinquish a lot of stuff over the last five years. And I can only say, Lord, good Lord, good Lord above <laughs> and all the guardian angels you have assigned to me. I hope as I let one more thing go that you are planning to replenish, you know, that there is something new on the horizon, but there's still things that, that just utterly excite me. Like when I woke up, 
I was so utterly excited um, because um, of things, just, just a new day, but also things that I am involved in um, that I, let me tell y'all what feels good. There's a sensation that I have. Let's talk about our sensations, okay? So there's a sensation that I have right now that I participated in something um, I, I, I think it was 2009. So I want to say 10 years ago that had I not said, oh, this is something of value, great value, um, that a sensation that everybody is about to get. If I hadn't said 10 years ago, this is going to be something about, see, this is what you have to do. You've got to Regardless of what everybody else is doing, regardless that nobody's doing it, regardless that nobody has found it important yet, if you see the value, and that's the part about, that's why I became a blogger, because I was like, man, that's a story that needs to be told. You know, that's a little bit buzzworthy over there, you know, and if you have enough patience to do something and not expect the immediate gratification of it, you know, that longevity thing, that having, not even longevity, but that having faith thing, and I, I just remember, and I'm, I'm a person, you know, I subscribe to a lot of stuff, and I subscribe to chatting with an intuitive, and I just remember this intuitive telling me, you've got to divorce yourself from time. This is not a time thing. Life is not a time. It's not, it, it is, while it is time succinctly, you know, we all got a, we all got a tick-tock, tick-tock, but, and, and there are other things that, that line up with that tick-tock, tick-tock, but you've got to, you've got to, just, just be ready. You know, that whole, uh, if you're ready, you never have to get ready. And there's some, there's a wonderful sensation in the air right now that I don't necessarily have to get ready for Cause I've been ready for it. Not only have I been ready for it, I've awesomely, I've given it everything I've got. I've supported it and you have to be, you have to have faith. You just simply have to have faith. That's the guy to get out of bed. So I've like, I'm waking up today. The only thing I can do today is do my very best. Now, I know it's a lot of people out there. They don't even get to that thought. Like, they ain't even, like, how can, they're out there like, how can I not give my all? How can I not give my best? They try, these are the ones that slither around like the snakes. We ain't even worried about the snakes. It's so many people trying to get down there with the snakes, y'all. It's a shame. It's an absolute shame. There are so many people that are just trying to, they try to get away. That's what we talked about the other day on, like, reason a lot of us, can't get out of bed because we keep coming across these people who undermine stuff. Somebody's y'all thank y'all to people who make memes. Think y'all don't understand how y'all are freeing people and some of the thoughts that they have. And you want to be around people of like mind. So when you see some of this stuff come down, I saw another meme this morning and it's like, listen, if you value something, and I, I, you know, I research, study, monitor behaviors. You know, that's what the internet, the internet was created for two reasons, two reasons only that's data in dollars. And there's a lot of monitoring behaviors. And when I work with businesses on about how, on, on how to create buzz and how to go viral and how to amplify their messaging and, and all this kind of stuff, they go to askdryerbuzz.com to get that done. And when I'm talking to them about that, you know, and I have to literally talk to them about, it's about behaviors. You People are out here trying to maintain certain levels of behaviors. Behaviors, for the most part, not their own, right? They want to create these habits and these behaviors. They want to look like dignified people. They want to be healthy and wealthy, but, you know, in, in, bottom line, they're unhealthy. We are unhealthy and we are unwealthy, you know, but 
we want to live with these personas and facades and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm talking to people about how to create buzz, I have to talk to them about like, what are the behaviors that you're going to, what are the sensations you're going to give people? And people still don't get that when they're out here trying to sell everything and everything they want to, well, why does everybody, you know, buying that? People don't even need that, but it gives them a certain sensation. And that's what we want. We want to wake up. We want to go through every step, every TikTok of our life with, with that sensation. Everybody's out here trying to get it. Like there's a story coming out now about this vaping. You know, you vaping because there's a sensation you want. Think about it. I'm going to have to write this down because it's going to be buzzing or bashing. But dang it, if it ain't how to get out of bed. We all want a sensation. I um I listened to some great podcasts and Jay Hill, Jamil Hill has an amazing podcast. She is getting some sit down, some amazing uh, sit downs, uh, and people who don't know they blacklisted, you know, first of all, there's a lot of black people out here that don't know they blacklisted. And I'm like, wow. Okay. But she has a podcast and she's sitting down. And the good thing about when you sit down with somebody that looks like you or that values, not even look like you, cause I don't want us to get into that. And everybody else is like, what well, that? We want to listen to the podcast too. I understand they, that people, there's some people that wish that I would like been from the black stuff, but you know, I got the stuff that won't wash off. It's called my heel my color and so i'm listening to this podcast y'all don't understand it hits different it hits different when you sit down and you're talking with somebody who values like the interview i did 10 years ago was with the uh late widow now late widow of bumpy johnson and the sensation i have now is an amazing sensation because here comes another movie on bumpy johnson and to know that 10 years ago i was relied upon to bring forth that story because they sent out a press release and was nobody trying to hear and i'm like wait a minute there's some value here because i had in my ear in one ear i had ruby d yeah i'm gonna let that hit i had ruby d who who was telling me that listen, you're on to something because you know they're not. This is what she said. They're not out here telling our stories. They're not out here telling our histories. And if you get ready to do this, you tell me it's gonna be online. And she was, she was trying to let me know. Listen, you won't have any barriers, and there's nobody gonna stop you. What you're getting ready to do. She was pointing at my at then tape recorder. I wish it was a phone. When no phones at that time, not not what we're doing with these phones today. Like I'm sitting here recording a whole podcast with a phone and a headset on my bed, right? But she was pointing at my, at my tape recorder at the time I was interviewing her, and she was saying there's so many of us that they don't want to tell our story. They don't want us to tell our stories because people don't realize that uh, the late Ruby D and Ozzy Davis, rest their souls, they were blacklisted because of their friendship with Malcolm X, okay? On the other side of the friendship with Malcolm X, like, wait, you're going to tell our story. You know, Malcolm X had a whole lot of friends. And so I remember her telling me this. So when I saw this press release come down the pike, and it was um, the late widow, uh, it was the widow at the time of Bumpy Johnson. And I didn't know anything about Harlem or Harlem Renaissance. You knew what was told to us, right? But I was like, mm, let me see. I know this is out there. I saw it go down, you know, the pipe, the press release, the press release thing. And I'm like, let me just reach out. Let me see what I can do. Because at that time, I was establishing a, an amazing rapport with, um, publishing houses and books and authors and so forth and so on. And Karen E. Keonez Miller was an essence um, at the time. You know, back then it was like you used to get like really published, like people used to seriously publish you. And so all of everything that she had ever written was on the essence bestsellers list, this, that, and the other. You know, I'm like, let me reach out. And so luckily when I, when I did reach out, they were like, what, you know, tell us what the coverage looks like. 
And I told him, I said, hey, listen, I'm online, but it's we got a live audience. You got podcasting. And I don't even know if it was called podcast. I think it was called podcasting at that time. Uh, but here's what here's what the opportunity looks like um, if, in social media. Social media was brand new. In fact, there was no Twitter. There was no Facebook at that time. There was, um, we had Pal Talk. And I was like, hey, listen, we are live around the world. We got audio. We got video. Uh, she can come on, she can come in the chat room, then we can go on the podcast, we can do an after talk, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I ain't Oprah, but this is how we rock, right? And and, and she called me and she said, Miss, Miss, Mrs. Mamie Johnson, the widow of Bumpy Johnson, wants to talk. And not only does she want to do, you know, the 30-minute, 45-minute podcast, we're going to spend a day online on social media with you. And when I say spend the day online on social media, before Twitter took us back to texting, um, this was full on audio, full on video. And unfortunately, we didn't have cloud at that time. Luckily, so all I have of it is the um, 10 minute YouTube. And but yet we do have the full podcast that we did. So if you're listening to the 10 minute YouTube, buzz it or bash it. You can also go, and I'm just saying we transition to the buzzer the bachelor side of how to get out of bed. You can transition from the 10-minute YouTube over to the full-on podcast, which is one of the top podcasts over on uh, Blog Talk Radio, which let me announce that we're getting ready to return to uh, Blog Talk Radio um, because our podcast that we do, Leading Women Podcast, is getting some amazing traction, especially going into this po- impeachable political season. Um, so we've got some leading women we want to bring to you, and we want to bring it, them to you in an in a amazing two-way conversation, which you can't necessarily do in a podcast environment, so we want to take that back. Uh, so if anybody's looking, want to join us on that, and I've been inundated with uh, interview requests, so I, I, we're trying to get that all set up. So stay tuned for changes on that on Tuesday. So anyway, Miss Johnson came on. Now, mind you, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter. Uh, we still had MySpace, and I think we did a little. We, I think we did a little bit of MySpace. I think we did, as a matter of fact, I think we did Black Planet. Uh, naturally, we took her to Black Planet. Uh, we took her to MySpace, and we took her to uh, Pal Talk. Pal Talk, I mean, she loved Pal Talk because she got a chance to speak to Harlemites, real people who love and embody everything about New York and Harlem and all the boroughs. And, and, you know, and this was a true lesson to us because the rest of us only know about Harlem through the history books and, and through various movies that have taken all kind of dramatic licensing, which I talked to her about. And uh, the movie out at the time was a Denzel movie, um, American Gangsters, with American Gangster, which featured the life and tales of Frank Lucas. And so she wanted to refute um, some of the story as it related to Bumpy Johnson. And I'm listening to these these people from Harlem talk about their 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 history, their life, their life in Harlem. And and and, and just like people who run out and watch The Godfather, like I just. 2019 set my behind down and watched the Godfather trilogy because I just really had no idea of how much this fed in Godfatherism syndrome and all of that fed into our lives. And when I tell you, when you, when you understand these people, we got to understand this, we were a very young America, um, um, cities and states were formerly lifestyle was carving itself out, you know, um, reconstruction and, and all that. We, we when you think of, I'm listening to this woman at the time we interviewed her, 
she was 93. So it, we had, that was, I'm talking to a woman who had a century of history. And I don't want to get into that too much because I'm going to have Karen on. One of the first leading women we're going to have on is Karen E. Keonis Miller, who sat down, not only sat, grew up with, and then uh, penned the only um, autobiography out there, or biography as well as autobiography of her husband, autobiography of herself, the Har- Harlem Garfield. Anyway, I got to stop because I don't want to talk too much about that because there's some conversations uh, now taking place with the coming movie as well as previous movies and so forth and so on. But to have to wake up dec- a decade ago and said, this, this looks important. This looks important. So with all of those who were ignoring it, who were ignoring it, for me to say, man, this looks important. And to know, to have, have enough instilled in me about who we are and who we ought to be, that I would say that this is a value. That's the pride that I have today. That's the sensation that I have today. And the patience to wait for it. The patience to put it out there. And yes, there's a whole, y'all know me. You, if you know me, you know me. I have a whole lot of bitterness uh, about being um, so early on in the social media game. And a lot of people, you know, know me as me. I'm me, you know. And I am. I'm mean. I'm mad, motivated, and determined. I'm mad about a lot of stuff um, simply because you've been te- te- when you've been telling people that this is something that's going to free us. This is something telling our stories or will free us. Not only that, when we tell our stories, we grow stronger and we grow stronger generations. And when you look at the suppression that has taken place over the history of time, okay, in the history of time, there is a construct on every continent about suppressing truth and story and majority of it is ours to the point that people keep talking about our culture. We don't have a culture. That's why we out here gravitating to everything because we just simply want this sensation of being important. We want that because we are. We, we want that sensation of knowing that we're important. Just yesterday I was listening, you know I me, mean? I listened to sports radio and I'm listening to the, the uh, one of my um, uh, colleagues that I guess I can call him um, is on. I love supporting him when he's on. He was, he was uh, calling the high school game. And I'm like, and behind him, I can hear the drum line. And I'm like, whoa, he's at, he's at a stadium, uh, a Lakewood stadium. And I'm like, man, do you know it's been 36 years since I was on that field at that stadium? And I was like, man, that's a flashback Friday for you. So I'm listening to them call this high school game of a high school that was in my particular neighborhood. Um, and, you know, because my high school doesn't exist. It's been renamed and, and gentrified and all that kind of stuff. But then here was one. I'm like, do, do these kids even know uh, the high school? And I'm talking, it was like Therrell and Douglas High School. It was Therrell, and Th- Therrell versus Douglas, or Douglas versus Therrell. I don't know who had the home court or whatever, oh, home field or whatever. But anyway, so it was those two high schools. And it's been 36 years since I was at that stadium as a young, as a young girl marching and doing all that stuff, honey. And I'm listening to these bands, and I'm like, man, the fact that these young kids are still interested in this, and do they, but do they know the the history of, do they know how many classes, how many generations have been on that field? No, they don't. And they probably think that they are the first. They probably believe that 
they are having to do something nobody else has done because we don't go back and we don't teach and we don't nurture. You know, we were on that field, honey. The whole neighborhood used to roll to the football games. It's like they used to, you know, I mean, I literally like everybody, like people who didn't, never had, they went to the school, never had kids in the school, but it was a neighborhood thing. It was like everybody in the neighborhood went to those games because you were supporting the future. You knew it was some future stars out there. Uh, and all those kinds of things, buzz it up, buzz it up, bash it. But it's a sensation, y'all. We all out here trying to get to a certain sensation. Man, I woke up, I went to bed last night with this sensation, knowing that um, this movie is coming. I'm so excited. I can't wait for them to really amp up uh, the promotion of the movie. One, because it is driving people to go and listen to Mrs. Mamie Johnson talk about her husband and the life and the culture. And because it... One of the reasons, um, here's another part of that sensation is uh, T.I. and Michael Render, and the, Clifford, Clifford Harris and Michael Render, uh, also known as a troubled man and a killer, um, and killer for rhymes, however he wants to brand it. I, I, know, I know them both, and I, I like them. We, you know, people from Atlanta, yeah, we know each other. They, we don't know each other like that. You know, I, I could never, let me just put this out there, I could never be called to testify as a character witness of, of sorts, you know, don't know I'm like that, but you live in Atlanta long enough and the three of us have been here all our lives. I'm a generation ahead of them. I'm a generation, I'm a half a generation ahead of them. Um, and, but when I look at what they are doing and, and trying to quote unquote reinvest, you know, in, in the com community and they keep using these, these, these terms, the culture, you know, but one of the things I tweeted and buzzed it or bash it, I tweeted this week, I said, wait a minute, this thing that they, this lifestyle and culture that they want to talk about and that T.I. has a whole museum for, I'm like, you know what, I, that culture, I don't see it that way because that culture costs me. And I, I'm like, I need to put a dollar amount on this. And I went and looked and I checked and it's like about $200,000. That culture, that lifestyle that they talk about, that they now want to reinvest in, and I'm going to talk about the reinvestment in that buzzard or bash it, cost me $200,000 of generational wealth. That's wealth that I had to liquidate that we can't, because the culture made the community unsafe and everybody wants to talk about gentrification and all this kind of stuff and the value of it. Well, I'm sorry, uh, gentlemen, the value is not there because of the culture that's now part of this trap museum uh, took, robbed us, kept our communities unhealthy and unwealthy. So if you notice in the, when they were, when the revolt, um, P. Diddy's revolt event, Buzz It or Bash It, had a music conference or whatever kind of conference was here, and they were on stage with Candace, and if you, T.I. was trying to go in on her, but then when T.I., one part of the culture, he got ready to admit to, he kind of choked up on it, because yeah, that was you, boo-boo, you did that, right, that part is, is on you, and on, on the lifestyle that they participated in, so in my view, I have to, we have to start looking at this thing holy and holy there to me, they're no different than any other investor coming in and, and reinvesting in the community. You reinvest where your first investment was to take away the value just like everybody else because they're making our community unhealthy and unwealthy. How did they participate in making our community unhealthy and wealthy? They talk about the lifestyle of being involved in a drug game. In the drug game, the drug chain, whatever you want to call it, right? I know we got our new dope boys, but they were old dope boys. And old dope boys kept our community unhealthy and unwealthy. 
And so therefore you talking about don't leave the community. Well, okay. Um, I'd rather, I love sitting here now with some amazing children than be sitting here saying I lost a child to that unhealthy, unwealthy community that they helped to create. So their reinvestment, I'm like, wait a minute, what's with the, the reinvestment? You already invested. You invested in keeping the community unhealthy and unwealthy. Bottom line. And not only them, but a lot of people did. You know, a lot of people did. And now there are those whom are able to come back in and take advantage of, of the community in Atlanta. And, and it's not even an Atlanta thing. It's an American thing right now. In fact, it's not even an American thing. It's a global thing because we had this thing with the old dope boys, you know, the old dope boys and, and then this thing now with the new dope boys. The new dope boys are causing all kinds of problems as well because the suppression What's getting ready to happen now? You're going to drive down the road. And remember back in the day, for those of you who lived long enough, we used to drive and you used to see food. You used to see all this land and all this farm life, right? So for the past 40 years, there's been this suppression of growing, having farm life, farming in, in America. Everybody's like, they've been, they've been substitute. Oh, don't grow that. Oh, only grow this for, you know, this chain. You know, the food chain has been given to every country but America. The food chain has left America. Right now, the last of the food chain is, is they trying to come down on the immigrants because they want to, they want to, um, they want to suppress the growth of, of what's left. And they want to take the food chain and take it elsewhere, right? China. Okay. So now they, 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 they're coming after the immigrants. It's not even about coming after immigrants. They're coming after the immigrants so that they can hurt the food chain. And then other, other China can come in and say, we can rock that food chain for you. Just like everything else in America. I don't know where y'all been, but for the past couple of decades, Congress, uh, there have been these con- congressional hearings, people coming in talking to our Congress about there's no return on your investment. This is what, this is the conversation. This is the conversation. And yeah, uh, T.I. and no, yeah, Clifford and Michael are all up in the mix of this as well. Whether they know it or not, they're part of it. Um, what's happening right now is there's been this 40-year suppression going on in America. Let's stop America from creating anything, okay? The auto industry, stop it 40 years ago. No, not even 40 years ago. How old is my child? Okay. I don't have a 40 year old, but I damn well got a 30 year old. So about for the past 30 years. Uh, so since the eighties, okay. Since the eighties before that, let's just say America forever. There's always these, these, these chains that Americans have that, that who was, it? okay. Let, damn. Okay. Sorry, Clinton, the Clintons, um, in that global initiative thing came about, right? And the global initiatives, we're supposed to like have all this, you know, okay, y'all do this, y'all do that, and we get this in exchange, and we get this in exchange. So for the past, since the Clintons, and, probably, and, and that's, the only, that's how far back I go as a person. Well, I'll go back to Reagan uh, and, and Jimmy Carter and so forth and so on and all those kind of things. But since the Clinton with the global initiative, um, there's been this suppression since the 80s of all the different chains that we controlled in America, right? The food chain, the, uh, auto, auto, automation, auto automobiles and all that kind of stuff. We didn't, we just stopped making everything and we were ushered into a service industry. Okay. During that time I was in the room when they came up with the word outsourcing. I was in the room. I was at the table. I don't know. I just was there. And it was coming up with these words, trying to figure out how to get these companies to fire their employees and hire them back without benefits. Right. Whole ass discussion, whole ass 
discussion, right? Dictated, um, money put into it, the studies and all this kind of stuff, sending money over to the HBCUs and figuring out this, that, and the other. HBCUs are always starving for a dollar, so they're all up in the mix. They did all the damn studies. Again, I'm like, y'all, stop taking this money. I mean, I literally, I'm in the room and I'm like, listen, stop taking all this money because when you write that piece, they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do the opposite of it, right? Stop giving. I don't care how much money Clinton wants to do. Well, you know, why don't you just, like, no. I mean, y'all, I'm in a room. I'm sitting on one side of the room. President Carter's sitting, like, some seats over. He literally tells people in the room, like, listen, just everybody, I, y'all, I'm not dropping names. I'm just telling y'all, this is the stuff. He was like, stop. Let's just listen to Yolanda for a minute. Yeah, I almost fainted, but I'm, I'm like, trying to tell people. This is what's going to happen if we keep, and this is why I left community organizing because they were putting all this money in our community trying to figure out how is it that people who are under the margin are able to survive, you know, what is it that they know? And of course, our marginalized community, they're they're trying to figure out like, you know, what is it? How are they surviving? So Clinton who left office with a surplus after getting all these evaluations, pulled all this money out, put it back in the bank, took all the resources, closed all, closed all the recreation, everything that he HBCUs and others gave him all these studies on. And then came all these problems that we had thereafter, that every president from then on, if you look at um, the Obama administration, the Obama administration and basically in all the works that it did was to undo all the work that Democrats have ever done, which is simply why Obama coming in to become president came around civil rights movement. Like, wait, who is this brother? What is brother? Did we, did we mention him? Did we nurture him? No, he were, they didn't even know who he was. I promise you. I got the video. They had no clue who he was. They were like, who is this guy? Right. And, and go out there and listen to how they had to learn who he was, who he and Michelle Obama was. It's like, wait a minute. You know, they went and, and what you don't realize is the path that Barack Obama took is the actual path that Dr. Martin Luther King was supposed to take, have taken that wanted to take. However, he was encouraged to stay, stay south. Um, he went north and, and did, a, did a whole lot. Um, but that was the path. He was supposed to go off into those uh, institutions and so forth and so on. You know, yeah, we were literally supposed to have been ushered into this, into this realm of life that we lived near a long time ago. But the, remember I said there was this amazing level of suppression and everything in America, uh, according to the global initiative, you know, was simply, simply suppressed, suppressed, suppressed. It's been all about suppression. And I've been like, okay, y'all, this stuff running around telling people this and that is suppressed. And people have been like, people spent the past 20 years telling me I was crazy. She's crazy. She's a little, you know, this, that, and the other. She's talking all that, all that future stuff. And now here, now here people come. Remember when you said this and remember, I was like, I wrote about it. Go Google it. And in fact, don't even Google it. Just go to dryerbuzz.com. It's still out there. It's still out there archived always and forever. My black planet, my black planet page is still out there. My MySpace page is still out there. Uh, the last 10 years I spent on Facebook is still out there. Uh, all my tweets. Well, even though the funny part about it is I spent half of that time in Twitter jail. I spent because 
Um, they used to have, I was voted one of the top black women on Twitter. And so Twitter was trying at the time not to become the black app. Um, and so they suppressed, they literally hid black people in the search results. You could not search us. And by us, I mean like the first five, 10, 15, 20, 50 of us that were on Twitter when Twitter first started. And so they would hide us in the search. Like you would go search dry bus on Twitter and it would literally tell you no results. Even though I go look at the number of tweets that I have over there. You know, like how are there no results? They, they, they had us ghosting because we were dominating the conversation. There was an article that came out that talked about these, these uh, top, black people on Twitter dominating worldwide conversation that then became quote unquote black Twitter, um, and so forth. So they, they finally, when they, they used to go and manipulate the, the search term, the trending topics, because if you would go on Twitter and you look at the top 20, 10, they would have 10 like trending trop topics and they were all black topics. And so they started manipulating, um, they started manipulating the trending topics to where like, wait a minute, because at that time they were trying to, everybody was trying to get funding. And still to this day, people are operating out funding. There's still really no major revenue. Uh, but they were, so they would, they would, hide, they would make us ghosts. They would turn us into ghosts. Just like, pretty much like Facebook is doing right now. You go search for certain people on Facebook. If you say certain things or use certain words, we've had to, we've had to literally come up with other ways to say a whole lot of stuff. Uh, otherwise you'll get, um, you go, you can put in jail. I spent, I spent probably three to five years in Twitter in Twitter jail where you cannot search for me on Twitter. And I've been on Twitter since day one. I've been on Twitter since day one. Um, but yet I was ushering in and bringing all of this black culture on Twitter. Otherwise I would not have been designated one of the top 50, um, black women on Twitter. I think it was top, top 20, this top 50, that top 100 black women. I think it was one of the top 100 black women by web 2.0 and web, we are now what, God, that was so long ago. Um, but, and then, uh, what was the other one? Uber social. And I think it's called social something else now because when Uber came along, Uber made them change, get rid of Uber, but it was Uber. There was Uber Twitter, Uber. And then they became Uber social because they started doing, doing all platforms. They uh, voted us top 20, um, providing African-American content and, no social platform. I keep trying to tell black people, no social platform out there want to be known for their African American content, which is why they call it. You got black Twitter, you got Asian Twitter, you got, you know, all the, all the other sectors. They try to put us over, even though we dominate worldwide conversation. All right. Buzz it or bash it. So bottom line is there was a whole lot of suppression going on and it's very hard nowadays to suppress that stuff. So people are facing, people are realizing that these things that we're talking about is, is out there and people are uh, running around trying to get the sensation. You woke up today, you started your day because you want a sensation. You watched this video, you liked that video, you shared this, you're going to this event, you're going to participate in that because you want a sensation. But the point of the matter is nobody knows, nobody realizes what that, I don't want to say knows, you don't realize yet what that sensation is, you're chasing it. You're chasing, people say chasing a dream. You're chasing the sensation you want. And the sensation is you just want to be valued. You want to be valued. So the sensation I have today, and thank, so thankful that I faithfully waited and waited and waited, patiently waited, bitterly waited. The sensation I have today is something that I saw value in 
20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, um, that it's, it's paying off and it feels good that we, as we head into 2020, that it feels good that I'm not as crazy as people tried to make me believe I was. I promise you, I can't tell you. Um, I, I had to have a conversation. I remember having a conversation one time I was talking about the room. I was like, man, we were in the room and people were like, wait, were you in a room? Were you, and who are these people you were in? People were like, who is she talking about? How is she in a room with people? They didn't understand early technology. And, and it's like, maybe she might need to go, why doesn't she have any friends? Who are these people that she, she says she knows? What do you mean you know world leaders? I'm like, uh, they're kind of world leaders. Um, they're celebrities. They, you know, this is just a rim. Yeah, uh, I hung out with Prince. No, I wasn't at Prince's house. No, I wasn't in Minneapolis. Uh, it was online. <laughs> you know, um, Nene Fuller. Yeah, uh, used to come online, you know, all the time because, you know, he had an audience. And we, you know, I understand everybody wants to quote him, but uh, he was right there and talking, you know, all of this. Uh, yeah, uh, Francis Christ Wellesley. Uh, yeah, she was in there too. Like, okay. Sure. Yeah. You, yeah. You, I'm telling you, it, these things are, are, these things are real. Uh, the godson of Mary, Mary McLeod Bethune. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was, I'm not dropping names, but yeah, that was one of my first mentors. He was a doctor. One of the first black doctors here in Atlanta. You know, when I wanted to learn publishing, yes, I went down and I, I volunteered at the Atlanta Daily World. It was, uh, one of the first black publications. I'm just saying, knew everything about the family, knew everything. Cause I wanted, I was going into an arena. I wanted a publication and the history of black press, the history of black media, um, throughout generation, it was the history denoted failure. And I was like, well, what is this thing? What is this thing that we cannot maintain a, a sensation? What is this thing that we cannot maintain a sensation? What is this thing that Things don't go, things that we have, we own, we, we were innovators in, why don't they go from one generation to the next? Why don't they? What is this thing that we have and we do? Because the sensation of value is elsewhere. It's everywhere else, but with, it just does, it's not maintained with us. All right, getting back to, that's just a part of this thing. It, for anybody that wanted to know, wants to know, what drives all of this? And that's where we are. This is what drives all of this. People want a sensation. Uh, another mentor, uh, John H. Johnson, fed that sensation with Ebony and Jet. Do y'all know that's not going to be part of our future? The Ebony Jet, for the most part, won't be a part of our future. And I think it will. I think somebody's going to come along and, and it's, it's in the hands of such. And it's in, now going headed off into the museum, the great African-American museum uh, of Washington, D.C., Smithsonian, Park Smithsonian, and, and so forth. So it's going to be there. Uh, Books.google.com has pretty much every issue uh, scanned and online. Um, if you don't do anything, go back and at least look at the issue that correlates with your birthday. Um, so you can see what was important on the day that you were born. You know, <coughs> it's so important to go and see what was important. Um, oh, cool. What was in, got a notification. I'm sorry. What was important on the day, day that you were born? If you can't, if you can't even say, if you can't even speak to that, 
then you're probably one of the people out here looking for this blind sensation. And you're looking for it on the cover of this or in the words of that or in the timeline of this and the timeline of that, the movie. Oh, let me go back to the podcast. Um, one of the things I love about Jamel Hill, and I don't know that she realizes it yet, the conversations that she's having. Because it's got, I don't know if this is a meantime thing for her. I don't know that this is, this is, I think it feels like she's just kind of doing it in the meantime because she's been blacklisted, um, in television. So she has this amazing podcast and man, I, I thought I was up on it. And I'm like, I went to check it last night. And I was like, Whoa, I missed three good episodes. Well, last night I listened to the podcast she did with Lorenz Tate, which is why I was talking about this sensation. She did one with Lorenz Tate. Now, most people may, some may, and some may not understand the epicness of Lorenz Tate and the roles that he had. Uh, of course, everybody's going to say Love Jones. Those of y'all that talk about, uh, and that's Petty Betty's favorite movie. And I'm going to tell y'all, as a mom, I hated that this movie, I, I, I don't like Boys in the Hood, and I certainly don't like Minister Society. I would never celebrate those. Same thing, because they, they, they contributed to our community being unhealthy and unwealthy, while stories that needed to be told, I was living in a wonderful world of delusion. I didn't know that black people were causing each other to all that kind of havoc. And in some of the most beautiful, like y'all live on the West Coast, the most beautiful place on earth. You got God's biggest ocean, got God's ocean right there. I'm like, who lives in, in the most beautiful place in America and, and wreaks that much havoc on each other? I, I was living in a beautiful world of delusion. I swear to y'all, before boys, I promise y'all, before boys, what is it, boys in the hood, and, and, and mind you, I, I knew, I, no, I didn't, I didn't know, I had met John Singleton. In fact, hell, I put a script in John Singleton's hand for him, like, can you hand that spike for me over there? I didn't know who the hell he was. I didn't have no value for the man. I was like, can't you get us the spike behind you? Spike told me, look, Spike told me to give you this and said, put it up for him. That was, that was my life. And then, lo, lo and behold, it's like, oh, wait, that was John Singleton. He came out with Boys in the Hood, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, anyway, he was hanging around Spike trying to learn the movie game and da-da-da-da-da. So here comes Boys in the Hood. But Boys in the Hood and Minister Society, Petty Betty's favorite movie, y'all. I hate that movie because those are the two movies that came about and showed what showed my children a side of life that I didn't want them to know. While at a time when those movies came out, it spread like a virus across all the nation, right? And I, and that, but that was a community that they, that was a culture. It wasn't the way it was, especially not in Atlanta, but it became, it became a culture. So when we talk about the culture, Petty Betty, what was his name? I, I'm going to get in a minute. Petty Betty. Minister Society, what was, what was Lorenz Tate's character? It take Petty Betty. Petty Betty, when I ask Petty Betty a question, it take her. First, she has to decide if she wants to answer me, if she wants to ignore me. This, she literally going to think about it, then she'll come and answer. This is the pain I have. She's thinking of her name. She can't think of it right now. So now we finna, we finna, that's a, cause she, she thinks she's thinking, but that's not thinking. That's you being stubborn and don't want to, that's a mother daughter thing, y'all. She know daggone well. She watched that movie every time it come on. I don't even remember his name, but anyway, so, but Lorenz Tate was on there. Please go and listen to Jamel Hills. Uh, it's Jamel Hills Unbothered. 
And not only that, she's got, she's got, and going, she will end up with some of the greatest archives of our time. And I hope that they are in a vault being placed, in a vault being placed. All the, can I just tell y'all, whoever's curating, still curating over at the African American Museum, every last one of her podcasts, every last one, need to go immediately into the African American Museum. This conversation, this com- she had such an in-depth conversation with Lorenz Tate about all his, his quote-unquote epic films. Of course, Love Jones, uh, which was one of the first movies of us seeing black folk who weren't killing each other. Okay, like, you know, okay, yeah, these, these black folk over here are looking for such a sensation that they have turned on each other. And they come, they're the next generation. This is, this is what happens after the civil rights movement, after the black power movement is so suppressed, guess what happens? Black people turned on each other. But those who didn't want to die, they escaped, and this is they became the Love Jones, right? Right. And they wanted those who didn't want to die, like those in minister society, they wanted to be like the people in Inkwell. So they went off and carved a place so they could have the sensation as if they were the 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 lineage of those in Inkwell. So then you go from there and then on to, uh, the, that was Love Jones. And then, uh, what was the other one? Um, he did the dead presidents, you know, that, but I love, thank you. We should say thank you to Lorenz Tate for how you choose your roles. And if you don't know the brother's value, if you don't know, if you don't, if you don't understand value, go listen to the conversation. And I promise you, it's going to give you that sensation you're out there looking for because you're going to be able to understand the duality and the duplicity of how we have to live as humans. You thought I was going to say as black people. No, as humans, as humanity, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. And if you've not yet placed value on his work, um, go and do the, do just that. Cause you'll hear him talk about how he ended up with the role in menace to society and then to go from menace to society to, to play, to go to Inkwell and trying to show the range of what I am. I mean, here we are today. Uh, shout out to Tamron Hall, who just had Charlemagne the God on her show talking about the mental health issues that our young men, that our men, young and old, uh, are faced with, right? Are faced with on how to, because you think about men, the face that they have to carry, the mask that we all have to put on, and all that kind of stuff. Buzz it or bash it. But it's the best. There's so much going on. Not only that, I mean, she also had an uh, interview with Uncle Luke down there in Miami. And, and let me tell you, if you don't know the value on that, brother, I know y'all stopped at the music and the explicit lyrics and all of that. But if you don't know how deeply involved he is in the politics uh, in, in the South, uh, definitely go and check and go and check that out and how he how he makes moves, all kind of moves and so forth. Um, but. If you are not at a place where you get the story, if you're not at a place where these things are delivered to you in more than a few eight lines or eight seconds or 140 characters or a 10 minute video or this or that and the other, you're not getting that whole story, you know, because I mean, look how many places you can go and get a Lorenz Tate interview, but then to get one that's a full on, I don't know how long it was that hell I drove all, you know, I, I drove in Atlanta. So, you know, I was, it was, it was pretty long. So, but people who can tell the whole story, where can you go? Ask yourself, what is the source that you have besides listening to uh, podcasts at Dryer Buzz? What is a source that you have that you can get 
the whole story, the rest of the story. There used to be a guy, what was his name, y'all? Some of my uh, old heads have told me um, he used to come on and he would do, his, his, his sign off was the rest of the story. Oh my God, it was back in the day, old days, radio uh, and so forth. But it's a sensation. We out here looking for a sensation. You're trying to get out of bed. You're on dryerbus.com. You're watching this movie. You're wearing this. You're wearing that. You're putting this on, that on. Um, you got the manicure, you putting on the makeup, you, you going back to school, you getting this degree, all of it, every, every single solitary bit of it is a sensation. And that sensation is value is value. Clifford, um, uh, Michael Render, Killer Mike and T.I. are out there now trying to get some value. They're, they're, they're trying, they're, the old dope boys, um, are trying to reinvest in the community and bring back the value. Um, but they're not having a discussion on how the culture that they participated in also is responsible. So the re when they say reinvestment, they're putting back what they helped take out. And I, and that's just the bottom line. That's just the bottom line, y'all. This culture that we keep talking about, that we keep trying to remember and, and, and celebrate and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it kept us unhealthy and unwealthy. And until we have a full-on discussion about that, we're going to always find ourselves back. Everything will have this. The, the, we keep, we're going to keep cycling through this thing. You'll keep trying to flush it down. It keeps coming right back up. And it keeps, it's going to, let's look at it. It's going to be, keep being born and rebirth in generation after generation. Because think about it. Every generation has to get to a point where they have to figure out who we are and where we've come from and what we've come through. And more and more, especially now with social media and, and thank God with social media that things are being archived elsewhere and forever in the cloud and all this kind of stuff. And in the museum, that's why I love museums. I live stream from museums and I love the, uh, thank you to those museums that don't kick me out. There are some like, no, <laughs> not coming in here with that camera, but those that say, please come in, please show this, show that I love them because, and when you think about it, when you go to a museum, how many times have you said, man, we used to have one of those. Or I remember this and I remember that. Everybody had one. But only a select few thought of it enough, thought, gave it enough value that we're going to make sure we preserve this. Right? What are you preserving? You want the sensation. You want immediate gratification of this, that, and the other. But what are you, what are you preserving? What about you are you preserving? Yeah, we're out here. We can tell all these different stories, but what about you? Are you preserving? And when you do try to preserve a little bit of you and then everybody tell you, well, that's kind of selfish and you're a narcissist. I'm a, let me tell you, I'm a full on narcissist, full on. I'm like, I eject myself into all kinds of equations, right? Full on. But what about you? Are, Cause you're entitled to preserve some of you. What about your story? It's called your timeline. I know there are people get mad when you go post on your, on your own timeline. They're like, wait, why are you posting so much? Why are you saying this? Why are you saying that? People out here doing, like, really? So you, what are you preserving? Preserve, if you, if we begin, if we begin, as I take a sip, if we begin to preserve more of ourselves, we would not keep cycling through 
these, these, these valleys and these peaks, you know, I, I like, I love, let me tell you, I love going viral, but I also love maintaining that altitude and amplification. I love being right. I love being right. Let me tell you, there is no better sensation than being correct about something. Not just right. Cause sometimes it's okay to be right. It's not, not right now. I don't know. It's, it's, you need to be right all the time. You need to be correct all the time. Or you need to like stop making mistakes, but it's hard. We're human. It's a human thing. It's a human behavior. Um, speaking of human behavior, I'm going to move on. We are right in the 56 of this. Let me tell y'all. Okay. The lady, I told y'all what, what's my thing. Everybody already knows. Wait three days, wait three days, three days. Y'all wait three days, not even a three good days. The young, the, the woman who, uh, went viral expressing her true feelings on a clerk or somebody in a, in a drugstore, you, you notice a lot of this stuff happens in the drugstore cause they, they're going to pick up their meds and they waited a little bit too long. The medication is worn off. Cause I'm going to tell you, I've had a meltdown in a drugstore standing in line. Like lady, I just, I took the last pill. Y'all holding this line up a little too long. Give me the pill to the point. Let me tell you what I had. I was suffering with this allergy, right? And I went to the doctor. You know how the doctors do. They, they, they get their kickbacks trying to put you on medication for life. And I went to this crooked doctor, most of them are. Um, and let me tell you, I just spent five years fighting the healthcare system. And most of them are some of the most poorly educated people taking care of us in our health system. But that's part of that global initiative thing that, that Clinton did. You know, all these, all these people up in here with these call, we call them doctors and don't know nothing about them. But see, I grew up in the healthcare. My mother was a nurse, grew up in the healthcare with some of the most amazing people who were about saving lives. These folk around here today. Anyway, let me not go down that wormhole. Okay, but anyway, so I'm standing there. I had this allergy. Like, I, let me tell you, I had started to work out, drinking all this water and all that kind of stuff. So it had flipped. So instead of getting healthy, it had flipped to another extreme. Well, the water I was drinking, it was made in America. And water made in America has extra ingredients in it. I don't know. It does. One of the most popular brands of water made in America has some extra ingredients in it. My body was fighting off those ingredients. I go to the doctor, crazy ass doctor didn't tell me to stop drinking the water. They were like, okay, keep drinking the water, but take this. I'm like, take this for how long? For life. Oh, I'm going to drink this water. You ain't even bit more looked at the ingredients and you want me to, I'm going to drink the water and take this pill for life. Very expensive pill might I add. Not over the counter prescription drug. You want me to, you didn't say stop drinking the water. You gonna give me a prescription drug that I need to take for the rest of my life so that I can drink water? Okay, so now mind you, very expensive pill. I can't get but so many of them at a time. And I don't took the last one. I'm up in the drugs on the line is long. And I'm like, lady, I need that pill because this pill finna wear off. And I'm like, okay, to hell with this. I'm losing it because guess what? I'm, I'm itching. My skin, my skin used to well up from this water made in America with this extra ingredient. You touch me, I would, I would welt up. Like I done been beat like a American slave. I'm just saying it was that deep. And now either I get my pills or I'm going to stand here and I'm going to break out like a freaking werewolf if you touch me. I'm like, to hell with this. I go over to the aisle. I'm like, I, I grab some Benadryl, y'all, off the dagger. I'm, I'm serious. I'm on this high-ass prescription drug that this crooked doctor done told me I need to take the rest of my life so that I can drink American-made water. 
I'm like, I'm like, uh-uh, to hell with this. I go over and grab a package of Benadryl, pop two of them suckers while I'm standing in line. I notice, wait a minute. I feel pretty good. Let me see how long this lasts. Do y'all know, after taking a couple of Benadryls, I didn't have a problem no more. And I was like, let me look at this water. What's going on with this? Let me do a little research on this water. Because I go to drink the water. I'm like, whoa, here it come again. I look at the water. I'm like, why? wait, why does water have an ingredient list? And I go to look at them like, okay, no more of this. I'm going to stop drinking the water. I'm going to stop drinking the American-made water that has an ingredient list. I'm going to stop drinking it. Well, lo and behold, damn, the water was full of sodium. The water, the American-made water was full of sodium. I'm injecting too much sodium in my system. Raw freaking sodium in my system. It's trying to come out through my skin. Oh, and the doctor... Mind you, I just called them and cursed them the hell out. I'm not coming back. And you need to figure out what kind of degree, where you got your degree from. So I start drinking the American-made water with sodium in it. I'm like, I don't need, why are you putting salt in the water, right? And then I go and look up and I'm like, wait, other countries have banned this particular brand of water. And then there was a whole full-on debate where they were having this American-made brand. They were having, made, born out of Atlanta nonetheless, where they were at that time having a debate with another country because the other country was like, no, you're not sending it over here. Here's what we require in our water. Nothing. Until you drill this water back down to it's just water. Okay. Ooh, there's a brand. Um, then you can import because, you know, remember we had this global initiative going on, right? And they want to, like, America wants to, we want to send the world water. Well, the world was like, we don't like our water because... Y'all got Americans over there on lifetime prescription medication trying to drink your water. So finally, I'm like, whoa, look at all the stuff they have to take out of the products in order for us to globally distribute them. You better go and check this stuff out. That's why everybody's out there drinking the Mexican soda, the soda in the bottle, because it's made with natural products, okay? That's why I go look at it. You're like, why are they selling? Why is there... Our soda, and then that. Why is everybody drinking the Mexican soda? Because it's in that bottle, and and go in order for it to go into Mexico, even though they don't want nothing to come out of Mexico, what they want to send over to Mexico has all kind of restrictions on it, right? Even though you know, like say, no food chain, buzz it or bash it. I'm gonna leave the food chain. I'm gonna leave the food chain. But be be mindful of the food chain. And I was getting ready to tell y'all, going back to the old dope boys. And the new dope boys, the new dope boys have gotten it approved. Never mind the fact they're already making billions of dollars out here selling weed. But the new dope boys have finally gotten it approved that they, they could actually farm this stuff now. Oh, hell, probably going to break loose because as of now, uh, weed is something that's imported, whether it's imported legally or illegally. It's imported, okay? But now it has been approved that all this land that's been sitting dormant because of the suppression of the farm industry and the food chain, that all this land has now been approved that people can start farming. You know, you heard about Mike Tyson has this, has a farm. I know y'all heard about Mike Tyson smoking $40,000, but his farm is making 500000 He smokes 40000 a month, but he's making $500,000 a month. See, they, they suppressed that side of the story. I'm like, honey, boy, go on. Hey, do, I need Mike Tyson to do what Mike Tyson needs to do in order to be Mike Tyson in society, okay? So... Mind you, and I kind of feel like that. I kind of feel that way about Clifford. I feel like we need Clifford. If this is if Clifford, if Clifford is out there trying to become the new Cornell West, I can't decide because I know 
I know Michael has had amazing influences. I don't know how much influence, how much of these influences was on Clifford. So if Clifford's, Clifford right now is looking to sound like Cornell to me, he's looking to sound a little bit like Cornell to me. But I just feel like if, and, and that's, but that's all they, that's what they know to, to look up to. Um, because the other stories of the others have been, have been suppressed. You can't just go out there and grab it. So this, this thing going on between the new dope boys and the old dope boys, um, be mindful that the new dope boys, you know, that this land is about to, and I'm trying to figure out, cause when these farms come back, can you imagine the security, they go, you riding down the road and like uh, to your left and to your right and then bust some weed. You like, but dang, what if I was to just, Ooh, please don't go trespassing on nobody's land. Cause let me tell you, it's already going to be, it's already going to be ugly. Cause my thing of it is, if they're going to start truly farming this stuff, is that going to invite the cartel? Cause you know, everybody love a good gangster. Like I said, the good gangster movie is getting ready to come out and we are attached to the gangster story. So, and because I have listened to some of these interviews and conducted one of them that a lot of these, a lot of them are driven by, um, because once y'all it's deep, I'm just going to leave it right there. But what I know about the gangster lifestyle is it is, it is nonstop and it is truly competitive. So I'm, I'm just wondering as the new dope boys attracted to this, this trillion dollar industry, even though they keep saying billion, this, these trillions that are, um, available in, in supplying America, uh, drugs is what is this like, what is the culture going to do now? What is the culture going to do now for those of us who love living in the country, who love living outside the city? And now, you know, this, this, two, 3,000 acres over here and half a million acres over there are now going to become, um, weed farms. You know, what does that do for the rural life in America? I'm like, do we need to get, do we need to head back in the city? You know, I'm like something's going on. Cause I can't imagine that those who currently import a deport is the import deport deep. Those who currently deport, I don't know, import, one of those who currently distribute, okay, because I do know about distribution and logistics. Those who are currently supplying the chain, I'll do it like that. Those who are currently supply, supplying the chain of demand, how are they going to behave when that chain dries up? And, that, and it's not even the dope that's, that this is happening to. It's also happening in the food chain. There's a real war going on in our food chain, even just over the chicken. It, it's not coincidence that we had the uh, hype of the Popeye's chicken sandwich, the raid on the chicken plant, and then the tariffs and the conversation with China uh, because China wants the chicken business, right? So it's not so totally coincident. All they were doing, let's prove that America has a dire, a dire desire for chicken. Let's raid the plants to, comp- to create... Um, they was creating hope, but they was creating, first of all, they, they continuously creating the, your disdain for immigrants. And so by you being upset at immigrants, you're going to let them go. You're going to vote for whomever. You're going to let them go under the gold dome. You're going to let them pass all kind of immigrant laws. And then you will, you will be, you will be forced. Uh, the food chain will be forced out of America because you don't got mad because you don't want a few people come across a dirt border. It's like it's a line in the dirt, y'all. It's literally a line 
in the freaking dirt. Dry ass dirt. Have you been to the border? I know some of y'all have been across that border several times for many different reasons. But it's literally a line in the dirt. And that look, we, we rather than allow food to go back and forth across the line in the dirt, you would rather have your food on shipping containers for months, right? They're going to take an egg. They're going to hatch an egg. Put it, probably take the damn, put the damn egg on there, right? We're going we're gonna to have container chicken instead of farm chicken. Chicken, because half, half the food we eat now grows on the container anyway. They put the seed on the container. They send it to whatever, whatever country has negotiated the production of it. I would, never, I would never forget when during the expansion of Walmart back in the day, when, when Walmart went from the rural store to the store on every block, they were forcing um, products, major brands that wanted to be on the shelves when they were pitching that Walmart is going to here's Walmart, Sam Walton's company, which was available to rural communities, is now wants to be on every corner like a like a McDonald's. And I remember there was a conversation about pickles and the company Vlasic was um, warring with moving their production, the only way they were going to allow them to remain on the shelves was to move their production, I think, to India. I think it went to, I think it went to India. Like, we got we to gotta grow the pickles. We're going put to the, put the seed on the ship or whatever, send it to India. They're going to grow, or we're going to just farm that over there. I'm like, uh. and here we are now, what, we trying to buy locally grown, we trying to buy organic, and all this kind of stuff, buzzer bashing, buzzer but I don't even know what I went live to talk about, y'all. I, I went live to talk about the sensation. Oh, but that was the only way they were going to let Vlasic stay on the shelves. Remember, remember you used to have that commercial, they used to have that brand with the stork and the pickle, you know, it's like the pickle, it's a pickle, it's a freaking pickle. It's not a pickle, it's a bunch of dollars. All of this stuff is about a bunch of dollars, but we, we just want a behavior. We want a sensation. Well, some people want the dollar. Remember I told y'all, here we are out here. This is the funny part about it. Here, bring on, bring on. Here we are out here on social media trying to get a sensation, right? And remember what, what, did I say the internet was created for a sensation? No, I said the internet was created for two reasons and two reasons only. Data, number one, and dollars, number two. The dollars came after the data. You, you make the dollars with the data, right? So, but here you got all these people that are out here. They just simply want a sensation. They don't want any dollars, you know? It's like, why, why isn't everybody trying to become a new dope boy? There's plenty of dollars in it. There's plenty of dollars in it. And every level of it, every single solitary level of it. And yeah, it's going to still be hot on the street because the street is the only place that's going to still have everything in it. <laughs> just saying. So, you know, the old dope boys going to always be around. Uh, and the thing about the old dope boys is not, they're not going to be criminalized as much as they have been in the past, you know. But that's how, that's how this thing, that's how this thing is. So the question is, how much, how much value did you realize what was in it? How much value did you realize was in you? Because people are out here negotiating your value. They're sitting at the table Right now, well, probably not on a Saturday. They might have been to play golf. Now they at the now they at the 18th hole, 19th hole, having a couple of drinks. You know, they negotiated all your value. Your value is being traded each and every day. 
I was uh, in. A, I was tweeting it early this week about the gig economy. Most people, most of you know, I've written um, a couple of books. I've got a couple of conversations. I've ushered a lot of people into the gig economy. There's some new new things in the gig economy. Uh, if you are unemployed, like right now, there's an app that you can download. Go to work today. Go to work today. Don't have to interview with anybody. There's an app that you go. I'll, I'll share the link. You can download it right now. Go and just sign on. Um, hit that button for the background check and go work a shift. You can grab a shift today. Well, it says wait 24 hours, but the app is so fast. Once you hit that background check and you're good, they be like, you want a shift? Take a shift. You get a shift. You get a shift. You get a shift. Right? I'm just saying. It's, you know, it's life has changed. Life has changed. There are a lot of people who 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, wanted us to be at this point of 2020. And there are a lot of people saying, man, 2020 can't happen yet because our mindset is not yet there for what we have to grasp. You know, there were those like myself who were deemed insane, uh, crazy, deranged and all those kinds of things. And now here comes the value, you know, people saying, hey, we want to give you an award because, you know, you kind of been doing this thing. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, whatever. You know, um, my thing is, I just want people to wake up with this. I ain't trying to do the woke thing. I just want you to be able to get out of bed with the sensation of value. Today, we interrupted how to get out of bed, but I still want to talk about sensations because it's all about sensations. And what I want you to do is get a list. I want you to just get your little notebook. I got a, I got a new little notebook. Um, I went with uh, Choices Kitchen this week to Closer Look with Rose Scott and I went, Ooh, somebody got some notes already in here. Oh, I picked up one with somebody's notes. Interesting notes too. I got to go back and listen. Cause they got all the, this is in this note. They got all the banks listed. Oh, and Patty Betty just brought me a good old running egg sandwich y'all. And I'm gonna eat my hot breakfast. So anyway, um, so shout out to choices kitchen and Rose Scott choices kitchen is having a, having a fundraiser, but by the time you listen to this, go see what the next event is. And uh, please do me a favor. I'm going to tell you how to get an amazing, you want an amazing sensation. You want, you want to feel an, I mean, can I just tell y'all, there is an amazing, there's, there's a sensation out there like none other. I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the greatest high you can ever feel. And not only that, it's a high that I will get a contact. If I'm going I'm I'm to get you higher than you ever been before and I'm going to get a, you're going to be so high. I'm going to get a contact off of it. All right. It's going to, it's going to come. It's going to hit. It's going to hit you. It's going to, this is how it's going to hit. It's going to hit you. It's going to hit me. It's going to hit my unborn. It's going to hit forever. I want you to hit dryerbuzz dot com and get the highest sensation you ever did. I listen and first and then look, I want you to I want you to hit I'm 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 gonna give you a chance. I want you to go hit it, but I'm gonna give you a chance. As long as this this plays, I want you to just get that long I want you to get a long drag, right? Take that deep breath. Just inhale it. Go over to dryerbus.com and while you're listening to this music, I just want you it's long enough. Just inhale. Take it in deep, right? You gonna it's gonna be the big best high you ever had. I'm gonna get a contact. You're gonna be so high. I'm gonna get a contact, and those unborn are gonna get contact contact too. Because what we're gonna do is we're gonna carry drivers on to the next generation. Or it might even skip a generation, because y'all know my kids. Uh, they like, Lord, this driver stuff, right? They 
They feel like Dryer Bus is one of the siblings. Um, but anyway, go over to dryerbus.com. Um, we need you if you don't go to dryerbus.com, because I know there are some people who like to undermine, but if you are a true supporter, if you do want the best sensation like every day, because that's when I, when I created Dryer Buzz, I wanted, because that, that, let me tell you what used to be. It used to be, we used to log on to the internet and in 2000, I'm telling you, Y2K, um, prior to Y2K, you, it was very hard and very difficult to log on, to bring up your internet and see black people. It was very difficult because I didn't even log on to see black people. I logged on because I wanted to be part of a world that was going to change the world. And I, and, and, but who we are, we look around for each other. Some of us, some of us look for, uh, I'm like, wait, where's, where the rest of my folk at? Right. And, uh, and because I was in this arena and I'm like, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing a lot of us, you know, I was like the only one all the time. And I was like, wait a minute, I want to see some more. And I got tired. I was like, wait a minute, my kids, when they log on, I want them to see them. And so what I created, the first thing I created was just the homepage. I'm like, I, when my when the computers come on around here, I want that destination. I want, this is what I, I want it to hit like this. When you pull up your internet explorer, you know? Not seeing all this stuff. I want you to be able, instead of pulling up your, make your homepage dryer buzz. That was a whole full on movement. When you turn your computer on, make dryerbuzz.com your homepage. So it hit like this when you come on me there, making eye contact. It wasn't even me. It was, it was people who look like you, our celebrity, people we value. I want to say celebrities, celebrities. In fact, let's stop saying celebrities, but people we value. When you logged on to, to your computers and you, I created just this homepage, it wasn't even like a full-on website because you couldn't even get a full-on website. You couldn't even load all this stuff at that time. I'm like, but no, I just need that destination. I was trying to create a search engine. It was like, well, why do we need a black search engine? Get away from me. Um, let me just tell you, I was just trying to create just that homepage, just that good screensaver there, right? Here, go download this screensaver so when you turn on your technology, you get to see us. Because we were innovators of it just as much, it, more so than others. But so many of our early innovators had to um, abandon that technology. One of my, one of the pioneering uh, PR women in Atlanta, Diane Larche, uh, was live just yesterday from an event. I have to find out. She was live from an event that it was called civil rights and technology. And I literally commented on the post. I had to laugh. I had to laugh simply because the civil rights movement was nowhere to be found when people were out there innovating technology. In fact, they, uh, they shunned a lot of the change that could have happened with technology. Now I was invited to the table. I will say a lot of times with the civil rights movement, but they didn't get it. They did not get it. So now here they want, you know, they want Google to hire some black folk. They want Facebook to hire some black folk. And they're like, you know, they help us. No, because I'm sorry, because it wasn't about them hiring. We could have had, we could have had our own, you know, he had to just like Barack Obama had to tell them, look, pull your people. Barack Obama had to tell the civil rights movement, particularly the black caucus, pull your britches. <laughs> I prom- I'm not lying, y'all. I'm not lying. Barack Obama, when he met, when he became president and met with the black caucus, he literally told them, pull that, put that big panties up, the britches up, and stop crying. Their candidate, their candidate did not win. The civil rights movement candidate was not Barack Obama. It was not Barack Obama, and I have the video to prove it. 
it was Hillary Clinton and, and they were not going to, they were not uh, there to support this brother, which is why he made his announcement in Chicago rather than at the ongoing state of black union, um, because they were not there. They didn't even know who the hell he was. Uh, he had done, I'm not making this up. It's out there. It's on YouTube. I just happen to be again in, in the room. Uh, when they, when they learn, when they literally divided like the Red Sea and said, okay, we're not doing here. Half of some of them, some of them, not even half. Uh, some of them said they were going to walk away from Hillary and go with the brother. And others said they were going to stick with Hillary and y'all got mad with all of those that, um, in the, in the division of, in the division of this thing. So it is what it is. It's history. It's history, but it is a sensation that we want. Okay. All right. So let's ready. You ready to get the greatest high you ever had? All right. So do this, go over to drybrush.com, open up a window, do what you got to do, but meet me over there. All right, let's go. Now to dryerbuzz.com and follow at dryerbuzz on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all about the buzz. Yeah.